over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So if you're still at chapter 9, you're not far away. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And while you're turning there, uh, Amber and I, we wanted to just thank you for your offering uh, for our family for Christmas on Sunday. Uh, there's no way we could just write that many thank you notes. So just, wow, but you guys just really went over the top for us. I think that's the biggest Christmas gift you guys ever gave. And that you give one at all is not required, but we're just so, I know God, I know that that is, you're, you're honoring the pastoral office, and that's going to come back on you, but for our side, thank you so much uh, for that. And uh, anyway, we, we have our faith personally on some things, and that really helped us advance uh, in some things we've had on our heart uh, to do. So God bless you. We love you so much. Thank you. Uh, for the last couple of Wednesday evenings, I've had on my heart, as you know, if you've been coming, uh, to talk to us about ministering to the Lord. And uh, I wanted to minister at least one more time along that line. And our key text had been over in the book of Acts. We're here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But you remember a group of prophets and teachers had gotten together. Barnabas, Saul, uh, who uh, was renamed Paul, of course. And uh, other ministers were there. And what were they doing? Yeah, I told you already. They were ministering to the Lord. And the Bible says, as they ministered to the Lord, the Holy Ghost said. And I just love that. Because so many, all of us need to hear the Holy Ghost say. Amen. Now, in that moment, he singled out two ministers. That it just happened to be the plan of God at that moment for them to graduate into the highest office that God had for them. You know, Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin on another occasion and said, 90% of my ministers live and die and never get into the first phase of the ministry I had for them. He said, that's why many of them die in middle age. Isn't that interesting? Have you never heard that before? Jesus said to Brother Hagin, 90% of my ministers live and die and never even get into the first phase of the ministry He had ordained for them. That's why many of them, not all, but many of them die when they get middle age. Why middle age? Well, because God's an exceedingly patient and merciful God. And He will wait and wait and wait and wait and wait for even His ministers to become skillful and accurate and obedient. Not with what they think they're called to do, but with what the Master actually called them to do. And, you know, it's really uh, insightful, I think, if you pay attention to that, why the church has been and is today in the condition it's in. Think about it. If 90% of the ministers don't even get figured out how to be in the perfect will of God, amen, then you wonder where the laity is. They're going to be in the same boat or worse. Yeah, amen. And so it is just... And what happens is, is eventually... That failure to figure it out, pray, make the changes, get in line with God's perfect will, it constitutes disobedience. And like Dr. Dufresne would always tell us, disobedience always opens the door to the devil. Amen. And you know, the same principle, it's not just for ministers. There are phases that God has for your life. There is a specific plan for your life. And there, part of that is a, a call to function in the body of Christ and to bring your supply to the local church. 
you have to figure that out. And if you don't, eventually, God will wait, just like He does with His ministers. He will wait, and He will wait, and He will wait for decades. But eventually, it'll have to be counted as disobedience, and that door will open to the devil, and then a disease gets on you. Your, your life starts going down, and it doesn't... It's okay that I'm on this, right? Praise God. Amen. It'll help you if you pay attention. Because then, see, people who've been taught faith, they go to use their faith for healing, and they can't get that disease off of them. They don't know why. And they're not connecting the dots to way back when they were a teenager, God whispered in their ear about what He wanted them to do, and they just ignored it, la, 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 and went on for decades and did what they wanted and never got it straightened out. See, and until there's repentance, it doesn't matter how much faith in healing you have. The devil's got a legal right to afflict your body because of your disobedience, because of my disobedience. So it's up to us to get that figured out. It would just behoove us all, amen, to periodically take seasons, take time to ask the Father, how am I doing? Because I'm telling you, it is so easy to just drift away from the plan of God because we're so busy and we get in a mode and we just get up every day and we're just going and going before long we've drifted way we added stuff we're doing stuff God never told us to do we added all these extracurricular activities we call them obligations and responsibilities and now we we can't usher we can't be at church like we should and we think, we think the pastor understands that. And even if the pastor says, oh, that's okay, I understand. Jesus doesn't understand. God doesn't understand. <clears throat> Amen? And so here these, <laughs> here these men are praying. And the Holy Ghost said, now separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Now they were already working for God. But what this means is they're going to enter into a new phase. They're going to now enter into the highest office that God had for them. They were already a, a prophets and teachers, but now, see, Paul is moving over into that apostle's office, which is the highest office God had for him. Are you with me? You see, it's another little nugget we'll throw out. You're never going to start with Jesus where He wants you to end up. And so, people, you know, I, I've seen them, maybe you've seen them too, you know, in certain cultures and churches, they'll... They'll have somebody, I accept the call to ministry, and there's a big celebration, and they get them up and preach, and then they, that person expects, well, they're going to get ordained two months from now or next week. No. No, you can start where I started, with a broom and a toilet brush. You're going to have to prove yourself faithful, and you're going to have to work up through the ranks. Nobody's going to start off a prophet. It's just so funny to me. You know, the, uh, you watch all this communication, YouTube and social media, and, you know, and some 22-year-old gets up and says, well, I'm prophet so-and-so. Ha, 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 no, you're not. How do I know you're not? You're 22. That's how I know. Amen? Praise God. Most of these people are not even in full-time ministry. They don't even have pulpits. They don't have places to preach. Amen. Praise God. And you say, well, Pastor Chris, don't get on a soapbox. Well, it's not about getting on a soapbox. It's about trying to help people to stay in their lane and to stay sound and to stay right in their thinking and to know that with God, you're going to go from glory to glory. You're going to go from step to step. But see, thank God, see, all of us, we're going to need, we need to hear the Holy Ghost say. And one of the ways we can make ourselves available to show God we're interested 
is to just be in His presence. Amen. I tell you what, one of the increasing that I'm seeing uh, in an increasing way as a problem among us Christians is that we, we lack the proper interest. And we have this fancy, we say, oh, I want God to, oh, I believe in God. But we're not, you know, oh, yeah, pastor, I really want to grow spiritually. Well, what are you doing about it? You know, are you really reading your Bible? Are you, is there any real hunger in you? What are you doing outside of this place? Amen. You know, a lot of times it's, are you interested? I remember uh, Pastor Nancy going through an extended period of time. She, she testified about having pain in her back. And she just dealt with that and dealt with that. And, and she just kept going around, to, you know, doing her thing. And, and uh, you know, she'd quote a scripture here, quote a scripture over there. And eventually she just asked the Lord, Father, what's up? I just, this, nothing, nothing's clicking here and I, I'm hurting my body. And he said, well, I'll tell you what your problem is. You're not hurting bad enough. You're not hurting bad enough. Now, think right about that. He's not wanting her to hurt more. He's saying, it's not serious enough to you for, for you to actually set time aside to feed into your spirit the Scriptures, to feed on God's medicine, to take in the Word of God, to spend any time with me talking about it, to really get intentional and purposeful about quoting the Scriptures, declaring the Scriptures, praising God over the Scriptures, spending some time on it. She just wanted to get it half-heartedly, you know, quoting a Scripture here while she, and quoting a Scripture, but not taking time to be serious about it. Well, she got serious about it for a short period of time, and poof, there went the pain. This is just such a big key. I could quote to you probably 25 or 30 at least healing scriptures from the Old and New Testament. But when I, when I really want a pain out of my body, when I want to get symptoms off of me, it doesn't matter that I could quote them to you. I have to sit down, open my Bible. Come on. The Bible says, do not let the Word of God depart from your eyes. You might have it in your brain and be able to quote it, but He said, let your eyes look at it. Sit there and meditate on it. And yes, quote it from memory and feed upon it, right? I know from memory what a steak tastes like. But knowing from memory what a steak tastes like isn't going to nourish my body today. Right? If I want the steak to nourish me today, i got to go to the freezer, thaw it out, marinate it, season it, put it on the grill, fix it, cut it, chew it, eat it, digest it. And every time I want that, I've got to go through the whole rigmarole again or go to the restaurant and they'll have to go through the whole rigmarole. Amen? But see what I mean? It doesn't matter. We think, well, I know that scripture's in there and I believe it, so therefore that's my... No, no, you have to take it. You have to wield the sword of the Spirit. You have to actually do something with it. And it's just such a simple thing, but people in their busyness think that they can just kind of half-heartedly think about that scripture on the fly, say, oh yeah, what's that scripture pastor quoted? Yeah, I believe that. Thank you for healing me, Father. And then nothing happens, nothing changes. It's because you're not interested enough to get really serious about dealing with the Word properly. I'm preaching good already. Amen. We're not supposed to just have faith t-shirts on. I'm a faith person. I go to a faith church. No, you've got to actually do what you're supposed to do. Me too. But it's just amazing. You know, I'd been putting up with some uh, lying symptoms, just some pain, but I just I had to stop. Where's my healing books out? Get the healing scriptures out. 
In about two days of that, I'm already seeing big improvement. Amen. And again, I could quote you all those scriptures. See what I mean? But you know, we're going to need answers for our life. We need answers for our life. Where are they? They're found in His presence. Right? And so as we just minister to the Lord, as we take time to fellowship with God, as we talk to God, as we make ourselves available to Him. You know, if we're not, if God will just, if you learned this about Him, He will just let you beat your head against the wall for a decade. He will let you suffer financially for as long as you're willing to take it. He will let you do without. He will let you be sick. He doesn't want that for you. But if, if we're not interested enough, amen, to do what we need to do to renew our mind and talk to Him, then He's just going to let that problem persist because He is a good parent. We'll do that, right? As, as children come up, those children should be doing more. Brother Hagen, let me get Brother Hagen in trouble instead of me. Brother Hagen said, parents are sinning. They're flat sinning against their children if they're not putting responsibility on them. And with every passing year, hello, I saw that look, Caden. <laughs> with every passing year, parents ought to be putting a greater, if they're not fully independent of the parent, then they should be having, they should be pulling more and more of their weight with every passing year. And if they're not, it's the parents that's sinning and holding back. They're hold, you're going to hurt your children. You're going to hurt your children. Hallelujah. <laughs> we kind of, I got that Dr. Dufresne anointing on me tonight. I was shotgunning here. What am I preaching on? I don't know, but I like it. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. Well, let's, let's read this scripture. We better do it, huh? Amen. That's a good quote from Brother Hagin. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so let's look at verse number 18. 2 Corinthians 3.18 in the Amplified says, And all of us, as with an unveiled face, meaning that we as Christians in the New Covenant, we don't have the veil that's blinding our vision between us and the presence of God. Remember, the closest you could get was the inner court of the tabernacle of meeting. You could not go into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was shut up behind the veil. And so their, their, their vision, their, their experience with the presence of God was very limited. But see, in the New Testament, the veil is taken away in Christ. Amen. There, there's nothing to obstruct us from beholding in full view the glory of our Father. Come on. And so it says that we all as Christians, is what it's implied, with an unveiled face because we continued to behold in the Word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? You reading your Bible, you're exposing your spirit and your life to the glory of God. The glory of God is on the Word. We need to remember this. When you are reading your Bible, when you are meditating in the Word, you are fellowshipping with God. 
You are fellowshipping with the God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word carries the full weight of divinity. It is full of power. That means the Word of God will set you free if you're bound. It will bring prosperity and supply. Amen. It will bring peace and soundness to your mind. It will heal your body. It will protect your family. Come on. It will do everything the Word says it will do if we will feed upon it and behold it. Amen. Then it says as we're doing this, we are constantly being transfigured into His very own image in ever-increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now the same thing is true if you're beholding God, amen, in the mirror of His Word. But the same thing is true if you come before Him in prayer. You are beholding the glory of God. Amen. And this is what we do when we come. When we come into His presence by having time in the Word or, you know, for me it's back and forth all the time. I have the Word, I'm beholding Him, you know, and I'm talking to Him. Amen. That the glory of God, the glory of God is a huge subject, bigger than I can tackle tonight. But really, the glory of God is the manifest presence of God. And it's the goodness of God at work in our life. Remember when Moses cried out, Oh Lord, show me your glory. God said, Okay, I'll have to, I'll show you my back parts. You can't see my face and live. And he hid him in the cleft of the rock. And as he passed by, he covered his eyes as he's going by. And then as he's back here, so all that's visible is behind. Amen. Moses was able to see the form of God. And he said, God caused all his goodness to pass before me. So see, Moses cried out, show me your glory. And in the next breath, he called it the goodness of God. Hallelujah. You know, when the goodness of God shows up in your life, that's a manifestation of God's glory. Hallelujah. And I tell you, God is good. God is good. Amen. How many of you want to experience more of God's goodness? What do you, you, you can do it anytime you want. You don't have to wait for God to decide. It's not a matter of the cloud coming in. I'm believing for that, by the way. But we don't have to wait for that. It's not a matter of the Shekinah glory of God manifesting. All that waits for you to experience the goodness of God and the glory of God is to open your Bible and meditate deeply in it. Come on. The glory of God is waiting on you to come boldly into the throne of grace. He said, come boldly. They could not come at all in the Old Testament. They could come near, they could get around, but there was a border. Remember when His presence came down on Mount Sinai and the mountain began to quake, the rocks began to shake, there was fire, there was smoke, the mountain began to melt like wax. And God told Moses, you have your people set up a stone wall because if they come within so close, they'll die. They couldn't get close. But now, all of us, all of us, come on, all of us, from the least to the greatest, God has shouted from the Word, Hebrews 4, 16, come boldly, come boldly, come boldly. What's that mean? Come without fear. Come confidently. Come knowing that when you come, you're coming to obtain 
goes on and says, what are you going to obtain? Mercy. Mercy for your failures. You know, the mercy of God has so many manifestations. If you're sick, God says, come boldly and receive healing mercies. If you've fouled it up and made big mistakes, He says, come boldly and receive mercy for your failures. Amen. There's all kinds of manifestations of God's mercy. Praise God. Then it goes on and says, and come and obtain help. Help. Well-timed help. Well-adapted help, one translation says. Help that comes just when you need it. Why aren't more of us receiving and experiencing the divine help that He has offered us all? One reason, we don't come. We want God to chase us down. We want God to work in our busyness. We want God to mold and adapt Himself to our schedule. And He don't play. If we're not interested enough, if we don't see the value in spending time with Him, if we don't see the life-changing value of spending time in His presence, we will go without. We will live less than lives. We will go without the help that we need. We don't have to. God says, come. He says to one, He says to all, come. Amen. Amen. And it's, just, it's just amazing how intensely the flesh will fight against that. People would rather go to the doctor. They'd rather go through bankruptcy. They'd rather go through divorce. They'd rather have failure. They'd rather uh, sometimes die if it means having to go to God and pray. That's just the hard truth about it because they're flat not going to slow down. Maybe it's a faith issue. They just don't believe that there's real help in God. They're just play with it, Christians, I guess. But see, you're never going to know faith and the goodness of God for yourself hearing what God's doing for me alone. Until, it's like Wigglesworth and many others have said, until you look your own giant in the face, until you look your own impossible circumstance in the faith and trust God for yourself, you will never know what faith is. It'll just be a creed to you. It'll just be a teaching to you. It'll just be something you amen and hallelujah whenever your pastor preaches it. But you will never have faith for yourself until you look on that, un, that unpaid stack of bills and trust God and fight the good fight of faith for yourself and see God come through because you believe something. Amen. And every one of us, come on, ought to have our own, and many of us do, our own testimony of those kind of things. But the enemy, you know, the enemy in your flesh are going to fight hard to keep you from God's presence. Because there are no unanswered questions in God's presence. There, are, there is no confusion in God's presence. There is no failure in God's presence. There is no defeat in God's presence. Come on. There's no one that comes and spends enough time in God's presence that doesn't leave healed and blessed and taken care of and supplied. So why aren't we healed and taken care of and blessed and supplied? One reason, we're not interested enough. Amen. Praise God. 
Look at what he said here. He said, the King James says, but we all with an open face, beholding as in a glass or a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed. Are changed. I like that. The word is transformed. Transformed. So notice this. To behold is to be transformed. To behold Him is to be changed by Him. To behold Him is to be changed by Him. To come and to spend time in His presence is to have who He is imprinted on your spirit. That's what it says. As we behold Him, as like we do beholding ourselves in a mirror, we are changed. We go from glory to glory. So every time you have time in your Bible, you should be changed. You will be changed if you let the words impact you. Some people have an intellectual relationship with the Bible. Don't have an intellectual relationship with the Bible. It is a living thing. The Bible is a living thing. It's the Word of God. It's God-breathed. It's alive. Hebrews 4.12 says it's alive. And to look at it, amen, if, if you're meditating on Scriptures dealing with holiness, if you'll let those words, if you'll just gaze on them, meditate them, you don't even have to believe them at first. You spend enough time in it, there's enough power in there, it will make you believe what it says. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You could become, be changed into everything He's planned and purposed for you to be just by letting those words impact your heart. Put yourself in those Scriptures. Talk to God about those Scriptures. Let God talk to you about those Scriptures. And He's so sweet. He said, oh, sweetheart, you know, you could take a step towards holiness. Just delete that one thing off your DVR. Don't go back there. Okay, Father, I'd be happy to do that. Thank you. And you go do it and see now. Amen. But to behold the glory of God is to be changed by Him. So see, this verse reveals to us that the glory of God beheld becomes the glory of God imparted. See, God wants you to just be a carrier of that glory. Isaiah talks about a generation that will be on the earth right when the Lord comes where the glory of God is seen by others on our faces. What's that mean? That's gonna, that means a whole generation of believers real quick are going to have to get real interested in being with Him both in the Word and in prayer. But His very glory, His essence and life is imparted to the one who simply comes to behold Him. There's no struggle to become who you know you need to become. He makes you that. It's like, uh, you know, uh, Superman going into the crystal chamber. And you, the weird lights come on and he comes out and, and he doesn't have that power anymore. But then later he reverses that at the end of the movie. And it's not about struggling, it's just about going in. And now he is that again. If you just get in God's presence, he'll just go, and you'll be a sweeter person. Many people, they, have, they, have, they are angry. I, I, more and more we go, you'll see. 
Maybe they're trying to do their best to manage it, but they are angry people. They are angry. I tell you what, all you have to do is go into God's presence and just stay there a few minutes. Stay there a little while. And His goodness, His love, His grace, His mercy will burn off all that anger. Burn that bitterness out of you. Get that unforgiveness out of you. Wigglesworth, they say about Wigglesworth that he had a temper like you would not believe. And he kept flying off of the handle. And then he got tired of that. And he locked himself up and said, God, I'm not leaving this place till you change me. And I don't know how many hours it took. But when he left that place of prayer, he was not that angry man that went in. He was forever changed. And I mean, we humans, yeah, our names are etched in the book of life if we've, if we've made Jesus our Lord, but we got problems. we got issues. Some people are angry. Some people are full of doubt. Some people are bitter. Some people are gossip. Some people are liars. Some people are addicted to sex. Some people are drunks. Some people are cuss. You know, they, they have all kinds of problems. Maybe they have all of them. But all God says is just come. Just come and be with me. And if you'll be with me, you'll leave like me. You'll leave changed. Brother Hagin said this. I know it must be Brother Hagin night. We're quoting him a lot. But uh, he said, it is impossible to spend even just a little bit of time in the presence of the Master and not be affected by it. So, you know, when we live carnal lives as Christians, we know where you're not going. We know who you're not spending time with. We're all a walking advertisement of the kind of fellowship with God we're having. That may hurt, that may sting, but that's true. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, praise God. <laughs> so, I wanted to give you three little... Uh, three quick things here that happen in God's presence. Three things that happen in God's presence. Number one, we've been talking about is change. Transformation of one's life. I tell you what, I, uh, the, the young man that walked down the stadium seating in that chemistry class, asked that girl over there to, on a date, that guy, I'm not that guy. I mean, I, it's hard to identify with how I thought back then. How I lived back then, what I valued back then, what I believed back then, what I didn't believe back then. Amen. And I'm excited about the person I will be 10 years from now. Because advertise, I just continue to come from not all in one dose, right? But it says from glory to glory. We are being changed. What needs to be changed in your life? What do you want changed? You want your financial condition changed? You want your marriage changed? You want your, your health changed? Amen. It doesn't matter what your issue is. The answer is, for all of us is in the same place. In His presence. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't we? Well, we've talked about it. It's just the distractions of daily life. You know, your biggest problem is my biggest problem. I, I share your biggest problem. It's my biggest problem too. My flesh. You know, uh, later in life, they asked the great John Wesley, 
what's been your what's been your greatest obstacle what's been your greatest source of opposition and difficulty he said oh that's easy me me you know that's true for you that's true for all of us the devil's not your biggest problem your spouse is not your biggest problem your boss is not your biggest problem your circumstance not your biggest problem i think i said already the devil himself not your biggest problem you your the flesh you carry on your bones your desire to be lazy that's my desire. I have the same desire. I have the same desire in my flesh to be a couch potato and to do nothing and to binge watch TV when I could behold, when I could come boldly. So the, the question for you is the question for me. What are you going to do about you? To have what I'm preaching you're going to have to do something with your flesh. And it's not good form in a marriage for me to try to get my wife to do something with her flesh. Have you tried that? That doesn't work. I know she's tried it on me. And she gave that up many years ago. She caught on quick. That's not going to work. Amen? Only your spirit and your renewed mind can do anything about your flesh. But listen, if you let your flesh, your flesh, my flesh, will destroy my life. My flesh will destroy my future. You wouldn't think the flesh, but it will. It will eat itself to death, drink itself to death, sex itself to death. It's a, it is self-destructive in its nature because it has sin on the inside. I wasn't planning on going here, but go back to the left to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Y'all all right for a few more minutes at least? Okay. Getting some help. We're talking about three things that happen in God's presence. Number one is change. Transformation. What about a church that's committed to being in God's presence corporately? The church will change. The congregation will change. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's foster a greater corporate hunger for God's presence in our midst. Maybe it was your prayer tonight coming in. Oh, God, give us the richest measure of your divine presence. Maybe not, but begin to pray that. It's been my prayer. So down towards the end of this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, look at verse 25. It says, Now every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately, and he restricts himself in all things. Notice, he's doing it himself. They do it to win a wreath that will soon wither but we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. Therefore, I do not run uncertainly without a definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without adversary. But like a boxer, I buffet, no, I buffet my body. Now, I like the Amplified, I handle it roughly. I discipline it, my body, with hardships. And I subdue it. Think about that. Paul, this great man of God, Brother Lon, this great apostle, Brother Jerry, has to subdue his own flesh. You think about a, a police officer having to subdue a suspect. There's resistance. There's a fight. He has to overpower. He has to win that battle to subdue something that doesn't want to be subdued. And Paul says, I have to do this with my flesh. 
That means you're never going to get so holy and so spiritual that you aren't in a constant war with your flesh. So I've said it before, let me say it again. How do you know, Brother Carl, if you're living the Christian life right? If your flesh is unhappy a lot, then you're living the Christian life correctly. But if you give in to your flesh 80% of the time, 50%, 60% of the time, 80, 90% of the time, you're not living the Christian life right. If we're living the Christian life right, our flesh ought to be screaming. I want that. I don't want to go pray. No, we're going to go pray. Can I watch it? No. Can I look at her? No. Do we have to read our Bible today? Yes. That's how we ought to be treating our flesh. I mean, do you ever walk around going to yourself, you know, don't be screaming in the mall, you know? <laughs> you know, but you talk to yourself. No, you don't, self. You're not going to think that. We don't think like that, self. Or you say something, you pull yourself. We don't talk like that. How dare you talk like that? We're not talking like that ever again. It may sound crazy, but this is welcome to the Christian life. Amen. Do you see this? Now look at, look at the stakes here as we read on. So he says, I have to subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to other the good news and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved, and rejected as a counterfeit. Other translations say, I become disqualified so what's Paul saying he's saying with all the spiritual revelation and places in God I have attained if I don't keep my flesh under aggressively then I could be preaching these wonderful things that others will benefit from and walk in and I myself become disqualified because I have flesh that's out of control so see the more you come before God and the greater your intimacy with God, and the more regular and the more intimate and the more uh, rich your fellowship with God is, the more your flesh will be weakened and your spirit will be strong. You have, you have three parts to your being, right? Spirit, soul, and body. Your soul is a neutral party. It's going to side in with either your spirit or your flesh. So the more you build up your spirit and you renew your mind, the more likely your soul and your spirit will team up to rule your flesh. But if you don't renew your mind and stay on top of that, your unrenewed mind will side in. Your feelings, your emotions will side in with your flesh and your spirit will live like a slave. Knowing what it wants, knowing what your life needs, but never getting its way because you're too carnal over here. I'm too carnal, I'm too fleshly. And that's how life gets derailed. That's how futures get forfeited. That's how the plan of God never gets to be experienced. That's how you become disqualified from the blessing. Y'all got real quiet, but that's okay. These are serious things. So see, just by coming before God, we are changed. You know, Brother Hagin said that one of the greatest ways for you to mortify, to kill, to deaden the dictates of your flesh is to pray in tongues. To pray in tongues. And the more you spend time building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, the stronger you'll be and you'll mortify the deeds of your flesh. 
Okay. All right. But if you really want change, all, all that change is waiting on is you coming to behold God in His presence. All right, number two, quick. <clears throat> number two is things that happen in God's presence is times of refreshing are enjoyed. Now, you, you see it on your social media feeds, I'm sure. You know, all the memes and all the jokes and all the lamentations on, fa on Facebook and social media about 2020 and how terrible it is, how bad it is, oh, how rotten it is, oh, how am I going to beat up, I'm dead, oh, I can't wait for 2020 to pass. Well, 2020's been full of mountains, full of obstacles, full of challenges. I've had to deal with stuff I didn't want to deal with. I've had to face things I didn't want to face. I've had to make decisions as a pastor this year I didn't want to make. But I'm blessed. And I'm still standing. And I, I'm, I'm on top of the mountain of every mountain we face this year. By God, not by God's grace. Amen. And I'm not tired. And I'm not thinking about quitting. And I'm not mad at God. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm full of hope. I'm full of vision. I'm reaching. I'm moving with God. <laughs> Amen. But see, in times of difficulty, and I want to quote to you, uh, you could write the reference down, Acts 3.19. Acts 3.19, Peter says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, talking about get born again, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times, plural, other translations say seasons, of refreshing come, where do they come from? From the presence of the Lord. So everybody wants to be refreshed. And nobody wants to be beat up and wore out. But people don't want to go into His presence. <laughs> so they settle for substitutes. You know, you're not going to be able to drink enough monsters to make you refreshed. <laughs> right? You're not going to be able to get enough spa treatments to make you refreshed as a Christian these last days. What's it going to take? The presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. Well, where can we experience the presence of the Lord? Pick up your Bible. Talk to the Father. Amen. Start up a conversation with Father and out from Him will come all He is. But God has ordained. What's it Peter was saying? He said, you guys need to get born again as fast as possible so that you can enjoy seasons and times of refreshing in God's presence. And see, so the sinner, they're, they're still on the outside looking in. They're separated, right? There is a veil between them and God, but not us. But what? So why are we wore out? The Amplified says, um, that times of refreshing, I like this, recovery from the effects of heat. Reviving with fresh air may come from the presence of God. So yeah, 2020s, there's been heat. There's been pressure. There's been circumstances. But God counters that with times of refreshing. And we could have times of refreshing every day. By just living in constant, unbroken fellowship with the Father. So I looked up this word. The word refresh means to refill like an empty glass. So if you've ever been in a nicer restaurant or waiter or waitress really knows what they're doing, could I refresh your drink, sir? Ooh, that sounds like the St. Regis Hotel. May I refresh your drink? What do they mean? 
you're getting low. Would you like me to, how about put some, you know, all your ice is dissipated. How about you let me refresh your drink? Let me put some fresh ice cubes in there and fill that up again. See, God wants to do that in your soul. He wants to do that in your mind. He wants to do that in your spirit. So what are you tonight? Are you an empty glass or are you full and brimming? Got nice new, new ice jingling around your glass tonight spiritually. And not to beat up on anybody, I'm just saying no matter where we find ourselves in different seasons, I'm just trying to point, point you to the right place. The fix for it is over there in God's presence. In the fountain of your fellowship with God. The word uh, I read also means to receive relief from distressing, burdensome circumstances. There's been plenty of those. Distressing, burdensome circumstances. There's relief. You don't have to, right? It's like uh, Dad Dufresne used to say. Uh, if you're a Christian and, and, and you're drinking wine, I know you're empty. I know you're empty spiritually. I don't have to drink wine. I drink new wine. Right? I just go into God. I say, I tie my bow tie. I tie my Coca-Cola. Coke. You know, I pray in tongues. I pray in the Spirit. I build myself up on my most holy faith. Amen. So you're, you know, Christians drinking wine. That means they need the Holy Ghost. They don't have the Holy Ghost. They keep rejecting the Holy Ghost. That's why they have to turn to the world's form of relief. Medications. I mean, America's out of control. It's not uncommon for people to have 15 prescriptions, 25, 30 pills they're taking. They got a little daily thing and the, the clip on it has, it's this long. Clip, 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 clip. And one interacts with the other. And all of them have, you know, statements on them said, this one could kill you, this one could kill you, this one will turn you crazy. And listen, if you're not going to go into God's presence, you better get whatever help you can. But I'm saying God's got better than you don't have to ruin your liver on, and ruin your testimony drinking wine, going to the world, when all you have to do is come. The word refresh means to be brought back into a state of cheer and encouragement after a period of being troubled or upset. Try this. The next time you get upset, oh, you do. You'll get to get upset. So am I. Turn to God. Bring your upsetness and see how long you can be upset in the Father's presence. Not very long. Not very long. Amen. It means, that word means, the recovery of happiness. And to have one's heart made to feel strong again. See, that's waiting for you and me in God's presence. Amen. For the third thing, we'll close with this. What happens in God's presence? Answers and directions for your life are given. Answers and directions for your life are given. You know, it's very common in the modern church to have to have massive counseling infrastructure in churches. You know, that used, that's a relatively new thing in the church, counseling. You know where a pastor has to spend a big block of his week counseling sheep. It's very common today, and we're happy to do it. 
But you know, Brother Hagin said, you know, back in the churches I used to pastor, we ended every service with a period of prayer in the altar. And I never had to counsel anybody. They always got their answer in that 10, 15 minutes in prayer. And when we stopped doing that, now I have to counsel people. Isn't it amazing? Now again, don't, 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 if you, don't let what I said keep you from coming for counsel. Don't get weird about it. Amen? But I'm just saying at the same time, you have the counselor living on the inside of you. And he knows you better than me. He knows your circumstance better than me. And he knows the way out far better than me. In fact, the only way I'm going to be able to help you in counseling is to tap into the counselor myself to help you. Really, the pastoral voice of counsel in your life ought to be more of a check and a balance and a confirming voice, not an oracle voice, tell me what to do, pastor voice. I'm not going to do that. Because then if I, if I tell you what to do and you go do it and it doesn't work out, <laughs> then, right? But see, you're going to be the one that lives with the choices that you make in life. So I'm very, you know, cautious about, you know, saying, Mom Arlene, do this. Right? I'll tell you what the Word says. Tell you what I believe the witness of my spirit might say. And I can say, thus saith the Lord, if it's thus saith the Lord. But if it's not thus saith the Lord, I'm not going to say thus saith the Lord. Amen. But you know, all of us, church, we're going to face life's storms. Life's crises and challenges, they're, they're coming to all of us. And cultivating... A personal walk with God is the key to you facing and navigating those times victoriously. So I wanted to, so your answers, your direction, they are found in God's presence. So in closing, I wanted to challenge all of us, focus on your fellowship. Focus on your fellowship with God. Make your fellowship with God the highest priority of your life. He is everything. He's always been everything. But in these days, He's everything. His will is everything. His word is everything. His way is everything. His plan is everything. Amen? None of us have to live our life disillusioned, disappointed, discouraged. We don't have to be beat up. We don't have to be overburdened. We don't have to be wore out. Come on. We don't have to be deceived. But the outcome, listen to me, the outcome of your life is dependent on the quality of your fellowship with God. The outcome of your life is dependent on your fellowship with God and mine too. You know, I'm just quoting this in John 17, 3, uh, Jesus is praying and he says, and this is eternal life, that they might know him. So if you're interested in living forever, <laughs> eternally, 
Jesus defined eternal life in that verse. John 17, 3, he said eternal life is to know the Father. You realize that's your eternity. Fellowship. Fellowship with God. It's why you were made. It's why you were created. It's why I was created. And you can live your life on the mountaintop. Right? If the mountain is your challenge, you can live on the mountaintop. God will take you there. You have to focus on your fellowship. You have to cultivate your own relationship with the Father. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm I'm working on it. I'm going to focus on my fellowship. Hallelujah. My relationship with God. And see, this, this, is, where, this is what's going to make your, your faith... You could begin to shut your Bible. Uh, this is what's going to make your faith really effective and fruitful. Some people, they just want to know three things about faith. Read the Word, hear the Word, speak the Word, believe the Word in my heart. But see, what if there's something not right between you and Father? Right? What if you've copped a bad attitude? What if you've, uh, you know, grieved the Spirit some way? What, what if you've, you know, taken a wrong turn and you're off course? See, it's your fellowship. In daily fellowship, that's where all of those tweaks in my life come from. Hey, Chris, it's fine. I'll go to, I'll go to confess in my daily scriptures about, you know, supply for the church in my life. And man, I've got big dreams. I believe in God. And down in here, I'll be grieved. And something will come in me about a tone of voice I used with my wife. Right? Or, uh, you know, well, one thing I've, I've had to repent to God about is I grieved the Spirit because I had my phone with me all the time and the Holy Ghost got grieved having to compete with Facebook and my apps and my notifications and my dings and my dongs and my rings and my texts. And, and he just... He's better than having to compete with that crap. Now, I just had to tell him, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm working on this. I am addicted like every other human that's got a cell phone. And I don't mean to grieve you. You're, I'm, I have to show myself interested. But see, it's these. It's I have a relationship. It's not perfect on my side, but I'm working on it. And see, he tweaks and he corrects and it keeps my faith effective. Whereas some people, they just not paid attention to this so long, they feel like they look like a tangled ball of yarn. And they want to make their faith work, but they cannot figure out how. Just start fellowshipping with God. And He will untangle you. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. And you will enjoy being untangled. I tell you, our Father, He is awesome. He is so good. And He has just begun to bless you. Amen? He has just begun. You and I have just got the little bitty of the fingernail of scratched the surface of, of what God has, has got planned for us all. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet tonight? You guys did really good pulling on me tonight, listening. Did you get anything out of that tonight? I did. I got something out of that tonight.